Welcome to Funding Quest, where our quest is to help you find the best funding for your business. I'm your host, Byron Allen, and we're meeting today with Jerem Morris, partner with DataTech, a full-service IT support company. Jerem will share with us cybersecurity best practices for your business. I'm excited to have Jerem with us today because he brings a wealth of knowledge and experience that as he was explaining to me these best practices, I was I was floored. I, I felt, wow, this is really important. This is really good stuff. And really, every business owner needs to understand and be doing these best practices. So I'm looking forward to this interview with Jerem Morris. I'm excited to have Jerem Morris with us today. Jerem is the, a co-founder and partner of DataTech, a full-service IT support company. And he's here to share with us some essential best practices for cybersecurity, which is a, a huge risk that every business owner faces today. And, and it's something that, that I've recognized as a CEO of a company is, is one of my top priorities is to protect ourselves from that. And I've had the pleasure of working with Jerem and his company for about four years now. And, and they've, they've done a fantastic job in helping us really raise the level of our network security and our cybersecurity protection and such. I'm pleased to share his experience and expertise with our audience to uh, let you also benefit from Jerem's uh, years of experience and uh, his his expertise on these topics. So, so Jerem has put together uh, five best practices for cybersecurity. Let me give a quick brief background of, of Jerem. And Jerem, Correct me if, <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. Uh, if I miss any of this. Jerem and his co-founder, Tyler Bodine, uh, have worked together for many years. And about seven years ago, you founded Data Tech mm -hmm. and created this full-service IT support company. And together, you have about 40 years of experience yep. in the industry. And, uh, and so you bring a, a wealth of knowledge and experience. And uh, like I said, we've, we've been a client of yours for several years now, and so I can attest personally to your qualifications for sharing your time with us here. So thank you. We really appreciate having you. I think this is going to be a very insightful and, and valuable conversation. No, thank, thank you very much for inviting me. Um, I look forward to opportunities like this to share critical information with anybody that's willing to listen. I say advice is free, but work is not. <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm really happy to be able to share this information with everybody. Uh, at the end of the day, we like helping others, and that really is at the core of everything we do in data tech. Awesome. Excellent. Well, let's just jump right into it and, All right. and share with us these uh, five best practices. All right. So these are in no specific order because depending on your business and your circumstance, you may prioritize one over the other. Uh, let's just start out by talking about one of the biggest vulnerabilities, and that being people. We call it social engineering on the IT side. So uh, you may have heard of a recent uh, hack with LastPass. Uh, LastPass was recently hacked and it was via social engineering. And I'll talk a little bit more about LastPass and that example later on in our discussion today. But at, at the core of the person IT issue 
is the lack of training. People either thinking that they know what they're doing and harming systems or them having no clue at all and not having training so they mess up unintentionally. I find this a lot with, with phishing emails. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, you may, you may receive emails and they're like, oh, okay, I need to reset my Office 365 password. And they'll click on the link, it takes them to a site that looks familiar, and then they type in their current password, and now all of a sudden somebody else has access to their email. And then from there they can go on and do wire frauds and identity theft and contact your clients, and it becomes very messy. Mm -hmm. I get phishing emails, I I think daily. I think I get at least one or more every day. And some of them, most of them, it seems like I can tell that just it just doesn't look right. Uh, some of them have some of the obvious signs, but some of them are pretty good. I mean, it's like a little scary. Yeah. And that is a very easy thing to train on as well. People are, are, are very uh, intuitive to those red flags if you just point them out to them. We like to do trainings, annual or semi-annual trainings with our clients, and that's one of the topics we discuss. Email is something that we all live in and some businesses live and die out of. Other areas that are vulnerable to mistakes by, by people are sharing of files. Uh, we live in a world where more and more services are in the cloud, as we call it. The cloud is really just somebody else's computer. And we, we have found that people will accidentally share access to entire folders with the wrong co-counsel or outside third party, whoever it may be. Um, So having the right policies, procedures in place for your team is really important, um, especially as you are growing as a company because you're onboarding new new people, new staff, and you need to train them in your culture and your policies so that then you don't wake up five years from now and realize that nobody really knows what they're doing (laughs) and information is just flowing out the door. So we, we focus our trainings on the, on the handling of data and policies with employees. And I, I, I shared one example with you already, but I'll share another one. This happened a little over a year ago where a client had a new employee that had not been trained on how to identify spoofed emails. This is more than a phishing attack. So a, a phishing email is, hey, please reset your password type of email. A spoofed email is when you may receive an email that says it's from me, but it really isn't. And this, this person receives an email from one of the owners of the company asking to change some wire transfer information on a transaction of, of a large amount. And they change the information as requested, not thinking about it, not following the procedure uh, that was outlined by the company to handle those sorts of things, and they lost that money. Now, of course, they had a policy in place that wire transfer requests aren't done through email. They're done over the phone call with an approved, certified, encrypted Adobe PDF file. And so obviously procedures weren't followed. Mm -hmm. And the person was new, so they had not been trained fully on how to identify these things. Uh, That's just one example. And we deal with these things regularly. Not always in the large amounts of money. Most of the time it's smaller issues. But we, we want to make sure that we're training all these all the times. Mm-hmm. Well, and cyber ransomware uh-huh. is, is an example where, I mean, it doesn't have to be wire transfers of millions of dollars. It can still be very disruptive to the business, expensive, embarrassing, 
right? To have your system locked up by someone and they're ransoming you for real money and you may or may not get access back, you know, if you pay them and, and things. And so that's, it's, it's real. It's scary. You know, one thing that we've appreciated is you've helped us with regular cybersecurity training. And we have our employees do regular training, part of our monthly staff meeting. We always have some type of cybersecurity training as part of that. We have regular phony phishing emails mm-hmm. sent out to all of our employees. You can tell if who, who clicks on it and, and falls for it or who reports it as a phishing email so that um, they're getting trained regularly what to look for. And, and I, I can't emphasize that enough. I, you know, as a CEO of a company, I just, that's, that's one of the things that just scares me the most is losing, you know, our system, losing our data, what all that implies, you know, losing trust from our customers who have given us their, their data, so trusting that we will keep it secure and, and things like that. And knowing that it's a very high percentage of data breaches that occur because of employees' mistakes, yeah. usually through phishing emails, right? Yeah, more, more times than not, it was, it was a social engineering or it was a mistake done by a person that allowed a, either a, a actual person, an intruder in, or a bug of some type. I'd put that in the, in the upper 90 percentile. Yeah, I don't think we can train our employees enough. Well, and, and thank you for your example and your comments because that leads us directly into our second item, and that is, of course, backups. What do you do when something has happened? No system is perfect. There is no such thing as a 100% attack-resistant environment. It does not exist because these systems are built by people, and people are not perfect, and people forget things, and stuff falls through the cracks. So we always want to have something in place and that takes us to backups. Specific backups are very, very critical to your long-term well-being as a business. Uh, Because for example, if you were to receive ransomware, if if your data was to be encrypted, well, if you don't have a backup, you can't operate. And now you are beholden to paying a ransom which you shouldn't have to do, nor should you do. <laughs> it only encourages them. You're, you're beholden to them to start working again. So purpose-specific backups are another, another item that we focus on immensely. Backups can be tricky because they can be very complex. They can become complex as you add multiple systems to that. So just taking a step back and looking at your environment, you have email, you have your phone system, you have your network infrastructure, that could be VPNs, firewalls. You may have a security system, you may have security cameras. You have all these critical systems that all play in this symphony in essence so you can operate correctly. And when one of those systems goes down, be it a, a hack or a failure of hardware or a software bug, which happens all the time, we need to be able to quickly get these back online. And a lot of businesses, think, oh, hey, you know, my data is sitting in Dropbox or it's sitting with uh, Google or Microsoft. It's backed up. And what they don't read is the fine print. (laughs) That, for example, with Microsoft, they only keep 30 days of your email once you delete it. So if you want to go back a year or two years or an employee that has moved on to a different adventure, if you need to go back to their email three years from now, you won't be able to get it 
because it's not Microsoft does not back up your email. So there's a lot that we could go into with backups. Uh, on a high level with data backups, I, I mentioned a few of the items already, uh, but of course you have your files wherever they sit, be it a, an on-site server or in the cloud, those need to be backed up. And those can be backed up in a lot of different ways, but we recommend versioning of those files. So when you're working on a Word document and you hit save, that's a new version of that file. So you may create that file in the morning and you may have corrupted it by the afternoon. And if your backups only happen at night, you would have missed all that data. So we like to do versioning backup, snapshots throughout the day. So we take backups incrementally throughout your workday. Um, it also prevents you from losing a whole day of work if ransomware does happen in the middle of the day. Um, so that, that's for files. Uh, emails, best practice is to keep every email ever sent or received. <laughs> In today's environment, so much communication happens through email. So we indefinitely keep all the email ever sent or received. Some other critical systems that some businesses may not be thinking about is your website. Is your website backed up? You don't necessarily need to keep daily backups of websites because that doesn't change too often. But before you make a change, you should, of course, run a backup. Uh, before you upgrade a, a piece of software, before you migrate it to a new location, you should be running those backups and have those somewhere safe offsite. Can I ask you real quick yeah, on the, e going back to the email okay. backup, I know a number of people like to empty out that inbox, right? They don't mm -hmm. want to leave emails sitting there, mm -hmm. how do you not delete them if, if that's if that's what they're used to doing is, hey, I've seen it, I don't need that, mm -hmm. it's trash it or whatever. How do you still back those up or, or do you or? We do what's called a continuous backup for your email. For example, with your files, like I mentioned, we do, we do snapshots throughout the day, occasional backup, every few hours really. With your email, it's continuous, which means when you receive an email, not only do you receive that email, but the backup server receives that email as well. And when you delete it or when you move it to another folder, it will reflect that you moved it to that folder on the backup server, but it never removes that email if you delete it, even from your deleted items. Hmm. Okay. Um, so that, that, that's how we get around that. that gotcha. Issue. Okay. So the user can still clean out their inbox. Yes. The user can do whatever they want to their email. Uh, and that's just sitting there, probably never used unless there's ever a problem or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of companies run virtual machines on site. You may have a time tracking software running on a virtual computer on your host on site or a special software for accounting or whatever it may be. Those virtual machines need to be backed up at least once a day. And all this information we're talking about, files, emails, virtual machines, firewall configurations, all this stuff should be stored not just on site, but off site, which means outside of your company premise, off property. If there's fire, flood, theft, we want to make sure your data is preserved. At DataTech, we do, we do two main types of backups. We do an automated over the internet backup that happens. On the cloud? Yeah, yeah, that happens from the client to us. We actually go directly to our own servers okay. instead of to the cloud. And then the other type of backup that we do is a physical on-site backup to hard drives. And we swap those hard drives and keep those stored in a fireproof safe off-site as well. That way, if there is some type of destruction on your end and even our end, we still have a physical hard copy that's in another location mm -hmm. uh, for worst case scenarios. 
So, so here's a question. Tell me if this is, I don't know if this is appropriate or not for, okay. for this podcast level, but I'm just really curious. I've always wondered if I was a ransomware person and I got into a system, I would realize it's much more valuable for me to sit there and, and wait. So I'm, I'm replicated in backup copies. Mm-hmm. So they can't just restore and override my thing, my, my, my malware, my virus or whatever, because it's, it's, it's in their copies to their mm-hmm. backups too. Mm-hmm. Do they do that? How, how do you detect or, or be able to know if, if whatever that ransomware is, is also in your backups or not before you restore mm-hmm. them? So there, there's two things that we do. Uh, one, we, well, I guess you could say there's, there's three things that we do. Uh, one, we're constantly running virus scans and coupled with that is file comparison. So you can see, hey, did they add 500 gigs of data in a day when they shouldn't have? So were there a lot of changes that shouldn't have been changing? You can also tag specific file types that are not regular in your system. So there may be a Trojan horse that has now been tagged and found. Hey, this is new and it shouldn't be here. Uh, so we, we always do that as well. In conjunction with that, we're doing test restores. So we will try to restore your system uh, occasionally. About once a month, we'll do a test restore of your file server or whatever it may be uh, to make sure that one, the backups are valid. And that two, those, those systems like a virus that may be sitting there waiting for a restoration process to happen, we can verify that those aren't there. This also leads us into our next item, which is proper hardware and software to okay. prevent these things from really coming in. Perfect. I guess flowing into that discussion out of backups, the, the critical part would be firewalls. There are two types of firewalls. That is hardware and software. Um, most people think of hardware firewalls. They think of their home router as a firewall. In reality, it really isn't one. And a lot of places will buy high-end firewalls, but only use them as routers. <laughs> and not really understand that there's configuration and there's monitoring and there's maintenance that has to take place on that firewall. Firewalls do basically all the same thing. Uh, They prevent unwanted outside traffic from coming in. Uh, And they can also prevent traffic from going out. Uh, You you yourself don't want to be the culprit for a bot attack, you know, coming out of your network. Uh, Your ISP, your internet service provider uh, would shut you down for something like that. And I've seen that happen before uh, where infection gets in and they now use you as a hub to right, go out. Right. For preventing information from coming into your system, like an intruder, somebody that, that may have direct or indirect access, there are two softwares that we rely on for that. And it's called intrusion detection and intrusion prevention. It's IDS and IPS. Um, intrusion detection basically detects something coming in through your firewall. This is all software-based. And this can either run on a physical firewall or it can run on a server. Once that has been detected, is it stopped or is it just flagged? That comes down to really what you want to do as a business. Smaller businesses may not want to just blatantly just block everything. They may want to actually watch and say, oh, I actually need that. That's a false flag. So for intrusion detection, it's purely just detecting the issue and potentially stopping it. For intrusion prevention side, that is more of an internal system. 
I can detect it coming in, and now I want to prevent it from doing anything inside my system. So intrusion prevention will be looking at your whole internal system as well, at not just inbound traffic, but computer-to-computer -computer traffic and what users are doing. Mm -hmm. Something like this would flag, hey, there is something in your backups. There is something editing your files. There is a new piece of software that shouldn't be there. An example that I can give you is, is with one of our clients, which is a dentist's office. They had a router and they had backups when they hired us to consult for them and to help them with their systems. This router was a home router. It had no firewall functionality at all. No filtering of traffic, no throttling of certain, certain speeds or certain sites, no prevention for any type of, of viruses. So that was one of our first, hey, we need to change this. And then the second thing was you have backups, but who's managing these backups? Who's monitoring these backups? Nobody was. So it had been nine months since they had been looked at and turns out they weren't running, they weren't mm -hmm. working. So users may think that backups are, I, I know we're getting, I know we're going into that realm again, but a set it or forget it type of approach, but it is something that needs to be checked periodically. So they didn't have the proper hardware in place. They had a virtual machine on site that was not being backed up. Uh, on an image level, it was being backed up on a file level. And what I mean by that is you may have the files, but you don't have the software to go with the files. Mm. An image level lets you restore your systems quickly without having to reconfigure anything. So they didn't have the proper hardware that they needed. We came in, we gave them the proper hardware, and well, they're still in business. So. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Another example I can give you is from a, a CPA uh, firm that, that we help, a, an accountant or accounting firm. When we were hired by them, they had an enterprise-level firewall. You're talking thousands of dollars for this piece of equipment. It had not been properly configured. It was really just a router. Hmm. It wasn't doing anything that it could do because whoever installed it didn't know how to configure this firewall without interfering with other services. So you may have the proper hardware on site, but if it's not properly configured, it's a paperweight. And you may not have the proper hardware on site either. Mm. There's a pairing there that has to take place. If it's not done properly, then you're basically spending money with no benefit. Mm. My key takeaways from today's interview with Jara Morris are that there are best practices for cybersecurity. One is training your employees on how to handle the data uh, carefully, especially with phishing emails and how to recognize those risks as they are so prevalent today. Number two is to have backup solutions that are specific, determine what your appropriate backup solution is based on what your goals and objectives are. That not every business needs to have the same type of backups or the same breadth or depth of backups. And so that was very interesting. Uh, number three was to have the proper network hardware that will protect your business. And so I hope you enjoyed this episode with Jerem Morris at Data Tech and that uh, you'll join us for our next episode on Funding Quest, where our quest is to help you find the best funding for your business. <laughs>